Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we meet the new host and take a look back at previous show highlights. Welcome to the In Doubt podcast. My name is Ryan McCurdy, and I'm your new host. In Doubt exists to bring the good news of Jesus to the relevant issues of everyday life and faith. I'm so glad that you're here with us. Because as we move forward with In Doubt, we are going to ask really tough questions as we wrestle with the truth. Hey, so my name is Ryan McCurdy, and I'm a youth and young adult pastor. And uh, maybe you're here and you're recognizing that I don't have the same voice as Isaac. And you're thinking, who's this guy? This is a new voice. And so I wanted to welcome you and let you know a little bit about myself and uh, maybe even a little bit about my story because I grew up in a Christian home and went to school at actually a Christian school and spent a lot of my time, a lot of my time around Christian things, Christian songs, Christian books, Christian articles, Christian friends. And so I lived in a bit of a Christian bubble and maybe you can relate to that, maybe you can't. But either way, one of the things that naturally happened for me was I began to ask questions while I lived in this bubble. Ask questions about people who don't have faith. Ask questions about how they live. Ask questions about social justice and what it means to be a positive person in the world, making a difference in a good way. My whole life was centered around this question of how do I live as a follower of Jesus? When I was a teenager, my, my questioning and my wondering got me to a point where I didn't really go to church and I stopped pursuing that relationship with God because my questions were so big to me. I couldn't get around my questions. I couldn't get past the things that I personally was wrestling with in my own life. And so there came a point in my life where I had to make a decision and I, I wrestled with God and I wrestled with what I believed and I had to do it alone. I did a lot of this alone and I wished that I had someone with me or a group of people that asked questions with me. I spent time in Bible college and this was an awesome opportunity for me to really get into some big questions. And I I did a little bit of time working on my master's in theology and as a theologian, you want to ask questions and make sense of the world and make sense of how we live as followers of Jesus. And I'm married now to my wife of three years. Her name's Katerina. She's amazing. And we have a five-week-old son. His name is Wesley. He's awesome. He cries a lot, but we love him a ton. And as a family unit, now I find myself asking the question, how do we as a family follow Jesus differently now that there's a third member, now that there's a baby? And so at every stage of life, I want to ask good questions. For me and where I'm coming from, I want to walk with you. I wonder where you're at in life, what the questions you're asking, what you want to grow in the knowledge of, what you want to grow in how to live, learning new skills of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Whatever spot you find yourself, whatever location on the road you find yourself, I want to invite you to ask good questions because as we wade into deep questions that are in the Bible, that are in culture, that revolve around our faith, I want to invite you to know that Jesus is not afraid of these questions. And when we look to him and we look to his word, the Bible, we can actually begin to grow in our knowledge of truth. This is where we're going to go. So on this episode, I want to actually look at that a little bit more. Is it okay to wrestle with God? Is it okay to ask questions? And maybe you've listened to a lot of podcasts or read a lot of articles, listened to sermons and wondered if it's okay to wrestle with the truth. I want to be able to say with you, yeah, let's try this because I don't believe God is intimidated by our questions. I think he invites us to wrestle with the truth. 
You know, I grew up in an environment that didn't really leave a lot of space to ask good questions. But what I've learned is that asking tough questions actually helps us grow. You know, the picture I get of this is more so along the lines of being curious. You know, maybe you've been to the beach and you see little kids running around on the sand, turning over rocks. They want to see what's underneath. They're curious. They want to know. They want to grow. They want to discover. They want to make sense of the world that is around them. We all do this as adults, too. We want to know and make sense of our world and how we engage with it. If you're an artist or a painter or a musician, all of these crafts have used their ability to make sense of the world through their lens. Theologians, philosophers, they've used their minds to rationalize and make sense with what is true. Scientists, they observe the natural world and the order of things around them to organize thoughts into systemized understanding. All of these avenues are longing for and looking for the truth and how to express the truth. Questions like, where do we come from? Where are we going? How am I supposed to live? What is my purpose? What am I called to? What is real? Maybe questions like, what's most important? All of these questions are natural. And maybe you've asked some of these questions yourself. As followers of God, though, we have a fundamental belief that all truth is God's truth. And the Bible guides us as we learn to live in the truth and as we learn to understand the implications of the good news of who Jesus is. We live in response to that. And so simply, there's more knowledge and wisdom in the world for any one person to wield. And so the future of In Doubt is going to be a place where we have a conversation and we navigate through a variety of critical, tough questions in our world. As followers of Jesus, we are going to let him and his word be our guide. Here's what I want to say. I do not have all the answers. I'm like you. I have questions. I have longings. I have angst. I want to learn in greater capacity how to think and how to live in this world. I want to learn how to love my neighbor, how to speak up against the evil I see in the world, and how to make a positive impact, to be an ambassador of Christ. So if you're like me, I want to invite you to join us in the future as we do that. And in the past, this podcast has been the main way we've accomplished this. We've had guest speakers who have really been helpful in having a dialogue about some tough questions. And so there's a variety of podcasts that you can find on our website, indoubt.ca, and you can go through and look at some of those questions. But right now, we want to give you a few highlights of some of the big ticket items that we've discussed with others. So why don't you take a listen? On this first clip, episode 128, Justin Holcomb talks to us about sexual abuse. To take the, the gift that God gave us, to have it be distorted and misused as a way to create pain and suffering for someone else, that's, that's the depth of what happens. So what happens is sex, if, if, you know, if Satan hates image bearers and the God who they image, uh, if, I couldn't think of a better way to wreak havoc in someone's life than sexual assault because the effects cover physical, psychological, spiritual, social. I mean, every dimension of who we are and our interaction with ourselves, our world, and those around us is impacted by sexual abuse. It, it can grind someone down. So the effects are the only thing more staggering than the statistics that we talked about are the effects. And so the 
the reason it's a different category is because it's so comprehensive and so intense in the destruction that it can cause and the lingering effects of it. And so you actually create massive devastation and in such a way that people feel shame and are silent. So there's tons of people suffering in shame. If you had, if you had a, just a, a medical illness or you were missing, you know, had a horrible tragedy where you're missing a, a limb or you have a sickness or a disease, you know, that, that's normal in the sense of people knowing it and talking about it and giving you empathy. When, when, you, when something happens to you that makes you feel like you're to blame and it's shameful and dirty and you feel disgusting and filthy and it causes you shame and silence, you have this amazing amount of pain and destruction that you aren't, you're not encouraged for the most part to share with other people because you feel like you're to blame for some reason and you've been told that you're to blame. So it's a, it's a, if I'm thinking in the, in the most way, the way to be most effective with evil, it is a powerful tool for evil to destroy and silence God's images. And uh, I couldn't think of a, I couldn't think of a better tool for Satan to use. On this next clip, Episodes 123 and 124, we have Paul Dirks talking to us about transgenderism. It was a very insightful discussion. Take a look. Uh, the results unequivocally show that the gender dysphoria remitted, in other words, it went away, after puberty in the vast majority of children. So we see, you know, a, a generalization, and I've done some YouTube videos on this, a, a good and defensible generalization would be that uh, gender dysphoria goes, in a way, goes away in 80 to 90% of children after adolescence. And so, for instance, one of the leading studies was actually done by a, by a Canadian by the name of Davida Singh uh, in 2012. And, you know, she, she measured those who had the full diagnostic criteria for a gender identity disorder, and, and that 86.4% of them, of those who met the full criteria, uh, were no longer gender dysphoric after, after the study. So, or at study end. So, so this is, I mean, this is a very robust finding across the literature. There's not a single study uh, anywhere ever been done on the topic that has found anything less than a majority, really quite a significant majority, you know, with it not going away. I think a, a rather unhealthy sex stereotype that people are taking on, this might not be the case for all, but, you know, when you see portrayals of transgender people in, in the media, you know, you have, for instance, males looking quite highly uh, sexualized in their portrayal of, of themselves as feminine. And, and I would just want to ask, you know, people, is, is that really what being a woman is about? You know, why, why, why when these transitions happen, does it go to what seems like a really stereotyped, unhealthy stereotyped, or even sexualized version of, of the real thing. On this next clip, Jeff Lassine on episode 112 gives us a really interesting dialogue about marijuana use. And this applies to us because on October 17th, Canada's government legalized recreational marijuana. While I think there are clear principles in scripture that would lead us towards a very, um, a healthy skepticism, at very least, of, of any recreational marijuana use that would cause us to challenge a brother or sister that is recreationally using marijuana um, for, their, for their good in Christ. It is not as clearly laid out in Scripture, as far as marijuana by name, um, as some other things 
And so I do think we have to be careful. We want to convince people of truth. We want to try to win them to what is true. And if someone's living in an unhealthy lifestyle, especially in the context of local church, we have a responsibility to do that. But when another brother or sister, let's say, especially of another local church, is disagreeing with us on this, we must remember that our unity is not found within our common view of what marijuana is. Uh, Our unity is found in the gospel of Christ. And which is really clear in Scripture and is actually the point of all of Scripture. And so we find unity with, with each other, not even in our, uh, you know, church polity or, or different ways of, of uh, different sub-doctrines, but in the gospel of Christ. And we celebrate that unity. And, and we have conversations within the context of that unity for our mutual good and upbuilding so that we can refine each other and spur one another on towards the upward call in Christ Jesus and to love and good works. Check out this clip. It's episode 117 where Owen Strand is with us and he discusses a documentary called The Heretic, which covers Rob Bell and his theology of universalism. Take a listen. Jesus did not come to bring universal solidarity. This, is, this, this, isn't, this isn't the Bible. Jesus came to cast fire on the earth. Jesus came to separate the sheep from the goats. Jesus came to make a people for himself. I understand the objections people raise to an exclusivistic God. The Bible is a book of hard truths. It's it's not a soft, palatable book. Rob Bell says, by the way, he's the one challenging a soft, palatable faith. Rob Bell is the one serving up a soft, palatable faith. His, His version of Christianity causes no friction, basically, between predominant postmodern worldview of our time. There's a few places, but it's basically a microwavable, religionized version of a postmodern worldview. Whereas the actual warp and woof of scripture takes us places we do not expect, frankly, um, raises hard truths for us to get our arms around, including that Jesus did not come to bring everybody to heaven. And Depending on how you handle the love of God and what you mean by the love of God, Jesus is not, at the very least, Jesus is not going to bring everybody to heaven. Thanks for listening so far. In case you didn't know, In Doubt is a nonprofit charity, and everything that we produce, like our show, blog, news feeds, the live events, and the Bible studies, are all available to you for free. It does have a cost for us, and so we'd love for you to help support us and come alongside In Doubt financially. First, pray about it, and then support if you feel led to. If you would like to donate, click the donate button at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada, or indoubt.com if you live in the U.S. And now, back to your host, Ryan. Check out this next clip, where in episode 103, Andreas Kostenberger digs into the question of, does God even care? Here we look at why God allows suffering. The issue of suffering clearly is a complex one. There's... There's simply no easy answer, but we became convinced that for people like Bart Ehrman and many college students, that is really the foundational issue. And so we decided, even though it's maybe the hardest chapter in the book, uh, that's the proper place to start. Uh, that said, I, I don't think there is a one-word answer to you know the question, why does God not intervene with all the suffering uh, on earth? But there are answers, we believe. And I think the place to start is that we tend to blame others 
for all our problems, including God. But the Bible says that we made a mess on earth, not God. Bible calls that the fall when the first man and woman rebelled against God. And as we all know too well from mistakes we've made, when we sin, there will be consequences. And in the case of the fall, there were consequences in our relationship with God, broken relationship with other people, need reconciliation, and even on the physical universe. So some will ask, well then, why did God create us if he knew we would make such a mess? And, you know, that's a lot of conversations I've had with people. That's the obvious question. And as a parent, I would say, well, then if you're a parent, why did you decide to have children? Because, you know, you probably knew or at least you should have known that they'd make a mess. Right. Uh, and I think the answer is because you believed that it was still worth it. And so I think God created us, even though he knew we'd mess up, because for some reason, amazingly, he still believed that it was worth it. So we looked at why does God allow suffering? And then in episode 70 with Vanitha Rendell Reisner, we look at how God meets us in suffering. Um, I think forgiveness plays a gigantic role mm. in suffering. And um, I think because, you know, we live in a fallen world and a lot of our suffering is because people have wronged us. And I think forgiveness is what changes us through suffering. I think, you know, people suffer and it doesn't always make them better. Often it makes them bitter. And I think a big part of the difference is forgiveness. I think when you hold on to the the things that people have done to you, whether or not they were completely undeserved. I mean, I think we always think they're completely undeserved, yeah. whether they are or not. I think we can't let God's love and, you know, his presence. I, I don't feel like they're there in the same way. Um, I know I did a focus group for somebody once for a group um, and we were talking about forgiveness and I could have divided the room up just by people's faces and their joy and how wow. they talked about what they thought about forgiveness because half the people said they didn't think forgiveness was that important and there was pain and anguish all over their face. And half the people said, yeah, forgiveness They'd forgiven, you know, really pretty horrific things. Um, and there was joy and freedom. And I mean, you didn't even need to ask. You could have, I could have just picked them out for you. And um, <laughs> it's, so it's pretty, and forgiveness in my own life has been probably the single most important thing besides coming to Jesus in terms of changing me. Um, so I'm pretty passionate about that because I think letting go and giving it to God and not feeling like we need revenge, there's something really amazing that God does in that. And um, I think part of it is even, you know, I've been, I've actually been writing a little bit on that and the, um, the idea of forgetting, because I think sometimes we say we can forgive, but we can never forget. But I think God calls us to forget, not forgetting in a way that, you know, we can never remember. But, you know, I think about Joseph when um, he named his first son after all of that, you know, his brothers had sold him and Potiphar had put him in jail. Um, and he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and, and all my father's house. He didn't forget, but he wasn't going to rehearse it. Yeah. He wasn't going to let it make him be bitter because he was he'd given it to God so he could see his brothers and love them. And in the end, say you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And 
I think that's true of all of our suffering. I mean, people do mean it for evil. Satan is our enemy. He means it for evil, but God means it for good. And if we can see that and forgive, there's so much God can do in our lives. On this next clip, episode 77, Lydia Brownback joins us and she talks about loneliness and social media. You know, I, I think it's definitely increased with social media. And a lot of it is that, in a sense, it's not real. Um, you know, we, we think we're having relationships, but they're not face to face. And so they're not, they're not the same thing. And so we actually sometimes can stay, our, our virtual relationships actually keep us from physical, real, tangible relating to people. Uh, if, and, and, and so, and yet we're under the illusion that we're connecting. It, it's just not as deep. So there's a pervasive loneliness that goes with that. I think also social media gives us the opportunity to do a kind of create a do it yourself identity. So, so we go out there and I think about how, you know, I, uh, young women I know, or we'll, we'll look at Facebook page or, or Instagram and, and, and see these happy photos of family scenes on the beach and, and joyful occasions. And, and it, they're, not, they're realizing that that's, that's fake news. You know, that's not real. That, that is, that is the image that, that people want to project. It's not necessarily who they are. We don't know that that happy family scene on the beach wasn't preceded by a big fight. And, you know, and, and so no one posts that, but you, so you, if you're looking at someone else's newsfeed and you think that is their life, your life doesn't look very good. So we have to recognize that, you know, and you think about selfies, all right, how many, how many times, how many photos did a young woman take before she got the one that sets her off to the best advantage and then puts it up there, right? So, so that's not real. And so if we look at other people's social media and we, we think something's wrong with us, when in reality, nobody is their social media page. No, th- that is nobody. You know what? That's not real. And Lydia answers the question, is it okay to be lonely? Yes, it does. And it can be different for everybody. You know, I think that people can feel depressed. Um, they can, they can uh, start to question what's wrong with them. They can, and sometimes it's just this nebulous sense of something missing and, and, and it, they can't quite define what it is. And so I think that one of the biggest problems when that happens, if we can't, if we can't put our finger on it and say, I am lonely, I was created with this this hole in me and that, that it's meant for the Lord and for companionship with people. Um, and it's okay to name that for what it is. But if we, if we resist that, that's, I mean, that's a practical thing right there. Don't resist it. Acknowledge it. It's okay. It doesn't, it's not a shameful thing to admit that you're feeling lonely. It's, it's actually positive because then you're going to do something about it. And, and practically we lean into the Lord and acknowledge it and say, I'm lonely this is part of how I'm made as a human being. So what, what do you have for me here? What, where do I go? What do I do? You lean into him and then, and, and just live in it. And then, and then you reach out for others. And, and so they're, they're, they're so basic, but, but that's really what that ache is meant to do. But so often if we're ashamed to acknowledge that we feel lonely or that we are lonely, what we do is we either try sinful remedies to fix it and we latch on to an unwise relationship or or activities or things just to duck those feelings or you know escapism that's a huge a huge way we we try to cope with that when when in reality just naming it for what it is is the beginning of how how of of finding the answer for it also with Andreas Kossenberger in episode 104 we look at the historicity of the bible and how we know it to be true take a listen what we have in our Bibles, we don't need the physical uh, 
papyrus, you know, or codex manuscript, all we need is a reliable text. Uh, and the text that we have is reliable because it has been faithfully passed on and copied from the originals. Of course, uh, some might say that we have uh, variant readings, so-called variants, so we can't know what the original readings were. But most of those variants, of course, are completely inconsequential. We're talking about spelling errors. Uh, some might be skipped words if scribes uh, you know, had manuscripts that they copied in front of them or uh, some other inadvertent copying mistakes that can easily be spotted. So uh, I think saying that we don't know what was in the original manuscripts just because we have uh, certain variants is, again, vastly exaggerating the problem. In fact, we have a vast number of manuscripts. We have almost 6,000 manuscripts of the entire New Testament, or at least parts of the New Testament, just to focus on the New Testament for a moment. So I think, again, the reason why we have so many variants is because we have so many manuscripts to begin with. And again, it's one of those situations, you know, you can't seem to win. If we only had few manuscripts, skeptics like Ehrman would say, well, look, how come you have so few manuscripts, right? But because we have so many, and so there's more variants, somehow that's turned into a, a liability as well. The fact is, we, we, we can't trust our Bibles, we can't trust the translations, we can't trust the process that uh, uh, was used in copying. Of course, you would imagine scribes who believed they were copying sacred scripture to make every effort, right, to be uh, accurate in what they copied. And of course, copying is a human process, so error occasionally crept in. But of course, in most cases, we are easily able to reconstruct the original reading uh, behind those uh, inadvertent mistakes that some scribes occasionally made. So in all of these areas, asking the question, is it okay to ask tough questions? The answer is yes. Let's wrestle together with the implications of these questions. It's natural to question, it's natural to wonder, but just because it's natural doesn't mean it's best. The life that God has for you and for me is to grow in grace and knowledge of God. I want to read a little bit of scripture to us from 2 Peter 3 verses 16 to 18 says this, talking about the Apostle Paul's teaching, Peter says, There are some things in them, that being Paul's teaching, that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scripture. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But, I love this, Peter says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do. We want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we are called to be a light in the world around us, a beacon of hope and a pillar of truth. To be able to do this, we must be prepared to ask the questions the world around us are asking as well. And from that place, we must be able to stand in the middle ground. We need to demonstrate with what we believe and how we live what it means to be a people of hope. So as we move forward, I would love for you to contribute with what we are going to be covering and the questions we engage in. 
Feel free to head to our website, indoubt.ca, to add your voice to the conversation as we engage together in truth, life, and culture. Thanks for joining with me today. And like I said earlier, my name is Ryan McCurdy, and I'm excited to be the new In Doubt host. I look forward to the conversations we are going to have in the future. We'll see you next week. In Doubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life, faith, and culture that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.